How's everybody doing through our bumbling this morning? That's what's great about being part of a family, right? You just don't have to get it all right. People still love you anyway. <laughs> so uh, just hope that you can relax this morning and let's see what God might have to say to us, what else He might have to say to you besides what He may have spoken to you during worship today. And um, I want to talk about uh, the power of, of the presence, okay? And uh, let me just, if I can, use this illustration from our society today. You know, in... Uh, in <laughs> In the past, it, whenever you want to understand what people are into or what they're wanting, just look at what's popular on TV. You ever notice that? Like a few years ago, Friends was the latest. You know, everybody wanted it to be a part of this group of friends. You know, everybody wants that. And then reality TV is all the, was all the rage or is all the rage. Everybody wants reality. You know, and I read some articles about pe- what people are wanting from the church, and you know what the first thing they say is? I want something real. You know, so that's what people are wanting. That's what they're wanting. That's what they're looking for. And uh, then I was thinking about this current phenomenon with Lost. So Lost and Alias and, and, and I don't know, this latest one, Invasion. It's like you're on the 24, you're on the edge of your seat at the end of every episode going, it can't be over. You know, you're just waiting for the next thing. You're trying to figure this thing out. Uh, if you haven't had an opportunity to you know, watch Lost. You know, basically these people are in a plane crash on a deserted island and they're lost. And they don't know where they are or how to get home or what's really going on. Was it an accident or was it not? (laughs) Was it a conspiracy? So, you know, people are trying to figure that out right now. So think about that word, lost. Does that describe people in our society today people are indeed very lost Uh, does that maybe describe your life from time to time how many people ever feel lost (laughs) what's going on around here in his book uh, uh, I'm sorry Waking the Dead John Eldridge says this listen to this paragraph 20 clear it's, it's called in desperate need of clarity 20 clear days a year. That sounds about like my life. I think I see what's really going on about that often. The rest of the time it feels like fog, like the bathroom mirror after a hot shower. You know what I mean? What exactly are you perfectly clear on these days? How about your life? Why have things gone the way they have? Where was God in all that? And do you know what you ought to do next with a deep, settled confidence that it will work out? Neither do I. Oh, I'd love to wake each morning knowing exactly who I am and where God is taking me. Zeroed in on all my relationships, undaunted in my calling. It's awesome when I do see. But for most of us, life seems more like driving along with a dirty windshield and then turning into the sun. I can sort of make out the shapes ahead and I think the light's green. Wouldn't a little bit of clarity go a long way right now? Wouldn't a, uh, let's start with life. Let's start with why is life so dang hard? You try to lose a little weight, but it never seems to happen. You think of making a shift in your career, maybe even serving God, but you never actually get to it. Perhaps a few of you do make the jump, but it rarely pans out the way you thought. You try to recover something in your marriage, and your spouse looks at you with a glance that says, Nice try. Or, Isn't it a little late for that? And the thing actually blows up in an argument in front of the kids. 
Yes, we have our faith, but even there, maybe especially there, it all seems to fall rather short of the promise. There's talk of freedom and abundant life, of peace like a river and joy unspeakable, but we see precious little of it, to be honest. Okay, so let's get real this morning. Maybe that describes what you feel right now. Okay, and this isn't a gloomy message to encourage that, but it's a message to say, you know what, there's a key that I think we can find in all that and a way to get out of the haze, to wipe clean that foggy mirror. There's a windshield wiper fluid, you know, that cleans the dirty windshield. And that's what I want to talk about. It has to do with the presence, the presence of God. I've got a new reality TV show. It's called The Presence. Who can find it? I'm convinced that this place is going to be absolutely overrun with people when they catch wind that the presence is here. Okay, it's not a reality TV show, but I'm just saying. Or, or any other church in the area, for that matter. I'm not just, you know, excluding us exclusive. You know what I'm saying. But when, when people really say, oh, wow, the presence, that's what I'm looking for. I've got to have that. They're going to be beating the doors down. When are your, what's going on around? Who can pray for me? You know, where, where do I find this? Show me how to do it. Tell me where to go. Tell me who to talk to. The presence, that's what people are looking for. Why? Well, because we got a lot of problems. Does anybody have problems in here? So do I. This message is for me. I have a lot of problems that I need the presence to come in on and to, to help me out in. Um, remember the man in Matthew thirteen forty four who uh, found, found it in a field? Remember what the Bible says? God's kingdom, okay, the presence is like a treasure hidden in a field for years and then accidentally found by a trespasser. <laughs> the finder's ecstatic! What a find! And proceeds to sell everything he owns to raise money and buy that field. You remember that guy? And then it goes on, it describes a merchant. God's kingdom is like a jewel merchant on the hunt for excellent pearls. Finding one that is flawless, he immediately sells everything and buys it. Are you willing to do that? Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to sell everything that I have, so to speak, make Jesus Lord in order to have it? The pearl, man. The pearl is what it's all about. It's a pearl of great price. When we find it, it's the meaning. It's the meaning that we're looking for in our life. I think that's what Jesus was talking about. Now, when life's pressing down on you, the presence of God is where you find peace a solution, an escape, if you will, from your feelings, fears, your anger, your frustrations. Anybody ever get frustrated? Okay, preaching to myself. <laughs> yeah, Byron does. I can attest for that. I do too, and he can attest for that. You will find the joy you are seeking. Check out these verses. Let's just be reminded what the Bible says. Psalm 16:11 You will show me the path of life and your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 21:6 Surely you have granted him eternal blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. Acts 2:28 
Peter quotes an Old Testament Scripture, You have made known to me the paths of life. You will find me with joy in your presence. You see this? What's joy connected to? His presence. Right? His presence. So we, so how can we embrace the presence and live every part of life in it? How can we? You see, it's not enough just to have principles. Principles are good. You can study the Bible as long as you want to, but without the manifest presence of God, all those principles really, they work to an extent, but they're really not what you're looking for. Is everybody with me on that? All right, so let's investigate. Oh, by the way, out there in the hallway, and if you've got a welcome packet, we have a thing called uh, our mission, our vision, our values, and what we believe. And we struggle with this because it's hard to put into words on a piece of paper what you want to accomplish and what your vision is and your mission is to where somebody else can read it and understand exactly what you mean. But, nonetheless, our mission says, at River Life Fellowship, you don't have to memorize this, by the way, our mission is to provide an atmosphere full of the presence of God. There you go, an atmosphere full of God's presence where any person may be healed, restored, and released by the power of God into His calling. Isn't that a great mission? The presence of God, Lord, that's what we want. If you're with me in that, let's stand up and let's just be so bold as to ask God for a picture of His presence a piece of His presence, right? So, Lord, we come before You right now, and we just confess, Lord, that we are broken vessels. We've got problems, Lord. We've sinned, God. We, we, you know, we've done these things, Lord, but You are a God full of grace and mercy. And so, Lord, because of, of Your blood that brought us boldly into Your presence, God, we just ask You right now to manifest Your presence in this room any way that you want to do it. We just say, come Holy Spirit. You are welcome here. You can do whatever you want to do. You can say whatever you want to say. Just have your way in this place, Lord. We know we'll be the better for it. It may be painful, but God, you're going to get all the glory because your presence is what I seek, Lord. Only that I could dwell in the house of God forever. That's what David said. That's my cry, Lord. And I believe everybody that's standing, Lord, that's our cry. We just want to find your presence. We want to lead other people into it. And everybody agrees. Amen. All right. So that's where we're going. So we're going to take a look at a guy named Joe. Joe's mother, when she got married, had a hard time getting pregnant. And uh, finally after a number of years and frustrations and troubles and problems in the family, Joe's mother finally uh, conceived a child. And uh, she had the, the baby, of course, and named him Joseph. And uh, you know what she said about Joseph? I guess this is what Joseph means. She said, He has taken away my disgrace. He has taken away my disgrace. I, know, I was thinking about that. Disgrace is the opposite of grace, Right? So in a, in a sense, you could say, He has given me grace. He has given me grace. So that was Joseph's root. You know how the Bible says, while still in the mother's womb, He knew you? You know, that's, that's who Joe was <laughs> while he was in his mama's womb. And then when he came out, his mom was like, man, this is who he is. And then uh, 
the Bible picks up with the story of Joseph when he was 17 years old. Is there anybody in here that's 17? They're not wanting to raise their hand because they think I'm going to make them come up here. Joanne's 17. <laughs> All right, so I'm not going to make you stand up. Don't worry, guys. 17 years old is this guy named Joseph. And what I want to do is I want to look at Joseph maintained the presence in his life. And he went through incredible difficulties, but despite that, because the presence was there, it gave him what he needed to deal with the troubles and deal with the difficulties. And most of you know the end of the story, but I'm just going to summarize. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37. By the way, I think it was yeah, two weeks ago, on the 2nd of October, Byron said in his message that he had a dream about 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, and he was trying to figure out what it meant and all that. I, don't, I can't remember the whole thing. But anyway, the point being that he opened up the message Bible and read it, and it talked about how we were supposed to live in wide open spaces. Does everybody remember that if you were here two weeks ago? We're supposed to, a wide open, spacious life. He said that's the way the Christian life is meant to be lived. So you know what I wrote in my notes? What does this mean? (laughs) How do I practically do this? You know, and I answered with my heart. Okay, yeah, but what else? And I felt like the guy was saying, um, the presence. That's the wide open spaces. Is God's presence. When When we get to heaven... In 40 billion trillion years, we'll never get to the end of God. That's what Putin is discovering right now. We'll never get to because he's so vast. That's a wide open space, you know what I'm saying? And so therefore, that's what it means to live in a wide open space, is to live in the presence. So let's see how Joseph dealt with that. Uh, chapter 37, verse 4 and 5, leading up to this, you know, Joseph has problems with his brothers. He's got ten of them, and then he's got a younger brother named Benjamin. Uh, So he's got eleven brothers total, but especially the older ones, man, they hated his guts. (laughs) Because uh, he he happened to be his father's favorite. And um, so in verse 4 it says, When his brothers realized that their father loved him more than them, they grew to hate him. They wouldn't even speak to him. Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers... They hated him even more. <laughs> and you guys are probably familiar with the stories bragging out there, and these guys are like, yeah, whatever, Joe, just go somewhere, okay? <laughs> go play with your Lincoln Logs or something, you know? And uh, so, but here's what's interesting. Joseph dealt with the scorn and hatred of his brothers by finding hope for his future and his dreams. God's presence came while he was sleeping. This was probably one of Joseph's first encounters with the presence. You know, because he had a dream. He had what we call a prophetic dream that we see throughout Scripture. God's presence came into his dreams and began to speak to him about who he really was and what his destiny was. And so I would infer, okay, if, if you'll allow me to, that when his brothers were scorning him and hatefully despising him, at night when he lay down to sleep... He would think about the promises of God. 
the presence would come into his room. And he began to contemplate, you know what? I know these guys hate me, and probably for good reason, because I've been kind of an honorary guy. But at the same time, I know, God, you've called me to be something great. I know that. Isn't that a powerful thing? Think about that in your life. Let's skip over to chapter 39. Another, I'm, I've got just, I'm going to go through basically six or seven places where Joseph encountered the presence. Okay, that's where we're headed here. Genesis 39, verse 1. I should give you this little information. Just, you know, let's summarize. Um, of course, his brothers hate him so much, they wanted to kill him, but they sold him to some Ishmaelites coming by. The descendants of Ishmael, which is kind of interesting, but that's another discussion. They took him to a foreign place and sold him into the, to the land of Egypt. If you can imagine, he probably didn't speak the language He's headed off there, a foreigner, terrified, you know, 18 years old or something. And here he is, and uh, the Ishmaelites sell him to a guy named Potiphar. This is where it picks up, chapter 39, verse 1. After Joseph had been taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelites, Potiphar, an Egyptian, one of Pharaoh's officials and the manager of his household, bought him from them. As it turned out, God was with Joseph and things went very well with him. He ended up living in the home of his Egyptian master. His master recognized that God was with him, saw that God was working for good in everything he did. He became very fond of Joseph and made him his personal aide. He put him in charge of all his personal affairs, turning everything over to him. From that moment on, God blessed the home of the Egyptian all because of Joseph. The blessing of God spread over everything he owned at home and in the fields, and all Potiphar had to concern himself with was eating three meals a day. The blessing of God spread over everything he owned because of Joseph. Joseph was sold as a slave. Sure seems like he would have been pretty upset, don't you think? But God came and the presence came to Joseph in that situation. And he was such a faithful slave, such a faithful servant, such a faithful employee, that because of Joseph and the presence, God blessed everything that Potiphar had. The presence sustained Joseph as a slave in a foreign country, and his pagan master even recognized the presence and valued it. Valued it. Remember, these are pagan people. These are foreign people. Don't even really know that much about Yahweh or Jehovah. Moving on, chapter 39, verse 19. Something else happens. When his master heard his wife's story, okay, Joseph went through a difficult thing where he was falsely accused of attempted rape by Potiphar's wife thrown into one of the deepest, darkest prisons of the day from the information that I could find about this prison. It was the king's prison. I don't know what that means exactly, just that it was bad. <laughs> it must have, I envision it as like a, uh, a dungeon, you know, or something like that. But here he is, thrown in there. 
And it says, 39:19, when his master heard his wife's story telling him, these are the things your slave did to me, he was furious. Joseph's master took him and threw him into the jail where the king's prisoners were locked up. But there in jail, God was still with Joseph. He reached out in kindness to him. Okay, notice that it doesn't say that Joseph reached out in desperation to God. It said that God reached out in kindness to him. A little hint here, that's what God's done to you. He's reached out in kindness to you. He put him on good terms with the head jailer. The head jailer put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners. He ended up managing the whole operation. The head jailer gave Joseph free reign, never even checked on him because God was with him. Whatever he did, God made sure it worked out for the best. So the presence even remained with Joseph while he was in the deepest, darkest dungeon there was. Without the possibility of parole, by the way. Um, and again, you know what? Unbelievers, pagan folks saw it. They were like, whoa, there's something on this guy. So I imagine, what was it? What was it they saw? The presence. It's the mystery worth searching out. I believe the presence was probably manifest in Joseph's character. He was a man, the jailer knew that, you know what, even if I let this guy run free in the jail, he's not going to try to escape. Because Joseph knew his destiny, he knew his calling. And so he was just going to be faithful wherever he was and go with it. The next thing is over in chapter 40. While he was sitting in jail, these two guys get thrown in there from the king. One was a cupbearer, and the other was the, uh, help me out here, baker, thank you. <laughs> I went blank on that. These two guys get thrown in there. The king's really upset with them, and they have some dreams. 40 verse 8, they said, We dream dreams, and there's no one to interpret them. Joseph said, Don't interpretations come from God? Tell me the dreams. Let me skip ahead a little bit to 41.15. Pharaoh had a dream this time. I dreamed a dream, Pharaoh told Joseph. Nobody can interpret it. But I've heard that just by hearing a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered, Not I, but God. God will set Pharaoh's mind at ease. Now isn't this something? Why could he interpret the dream? The presence. The presence of God was there. You know what prophecy is? It's just simply when God lets you in on some information and you pass it on to somebody else. That's all it is. But here's one thing I noticed. If Joseph was bitter at his brothers and holding resentment against them, if he was mad at Potiphar and his wife for putting him in this predicament in the first place, he would have missed his day of opportunity to interpret the dream. We'll get to that in a little bit. So, he interprets these two guys' dreams. It springs one out of jail. The other one gets executed. Didn't work out too well for him. He shouldn't have asked for the interpretation. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so, but the guy that got sprung out, he forgot about Joseph. And so it says in the Bible, Joseph sat there for two more years. Okay, I was looking at the chronology here. 
You know, he was 17 when the story picks up. He was maybe 18 or 19 when uh, he uh, when he gets probably into Egypt. He was it was 30 he was 30 years old at the end of the story. So that means he spent a total of 10 years roughly in these predicaments. You know, going through these trials. So if you feel like you've been going through it for a while, you know, you and Joe can relate. He was there. Do what? Join the club. That's right. Alright, so anyway, he gets, uh, th- that guy that sprung him forgot about him, thanks a lot, and uh, finally, Pharaoh had this dream, and he couldn't find anybody to interpret it, because they didn't have the presence, they had witchcraft and all these mystical things they were trying to do it with, but that didn't work, so the guy goes, oh yeah, I just remembered Pharaoh, uh, this guy Joe was in the prison, and he interpreted my dream, that's how I got out, this was two years later. And so Pharaoh's like, all right, call that dude up here. And so he brings Joseph there as fast as he can. And, uh, of course, he interprets the Pharaoh's dream about a famine coming. Devastating events going to happen to this nation. And uh, Pharaoh gets out. And, uh, you know, he puts Joseph second in command, the whole nation. What a turn of events. (laughs) <laughs> you go from a prisoner in the king's dungeon to second in command because God's presence. Joseph didn't take any credit for it. That was another key I saw there. He's like, no, it's not me, Pharaoh, but God can interpret your dream. Now, he could use me to pass it through me to you, but it's not me, it's him. So then there's a famine in verse chapter 41, 56. 41, verse 56 As the famine got worse all over the country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold emergency supplies to the Egyptians. The famine was very bad. Soon, the whole world was coming to buy supplies from Joseph. The famine was bad all over. The whole world. The whole world was coming to this guy who was an ex-con you know, to, buy, to buy supplies, to buy food. The presence stayed with Joseph as second in command of a foreign nation and enabled him to wisely allocate the food supply during a seven-year famine throughout the world. You want to be a good employee? You want business knowledge? You know, you want to do well on your final exams? What do you need? You need the presence. That's where it's all at. It's the secret to life. You know, let me just digress for a second, if you will. You guys doing all right? All right, I'll be done here in a few minutes. Um, Andy led worship at our chapel service at Mooresville Christian Academy on Wednesday. And after school, I, I had an opportunity to talk with a young man that was just struggling with some issues with his mom and parents and everything. And so he was kind of asking me about some advice and stuff. And I said, well, you remember what Andy said in chapel? The presence of God really came into the room while we were worshiping. You remember that, Byron Beck, you were there. You know those times where it's just like, you know, you can almost feel this tangible presence of God. And then Andy was commenting on that during the worship, and he was saying, you know, in the presence you find contentment. You find fulfillment. And so I was just telling this, young, this guy, I was, like, I was like, you know, what you need to do it's when you're in a situation with your mom and you feel anger or you feel, you know, you don't know what to do. You feel resentment or whatever. 
or things are coming down on you, find the presence. The presence is where you can escape those feelings. It's not that you escape the situation because the situation's still there, but God gives you answers for the situation. You escape your anger. You escape your frustrations because sin cannot remain in the presence. Wow. There's hope there. There's hope. He's like, you know, Mr. Bonge, I like the way you put that. I was like, thanks, man. I'm just trying to pass along stuff that I've learned, you know, because oh, I don't want to go off on that, but yeah. Oh, man. And then, just to summarize the end of the story, the family that Joseph had ended up coming because the whole world was under famine to him. They didn't know who he was because he was so Egyptianized. And, uh, <laughs> and they were like, we need some food. And this whole long out process and story went on there that I won't go through. But finally, at the end of the story in Genesis chapter 50, Joseph's father, Jacob, died. And after they went back and buried him and went through all the grieving period and everything, um, his brothers go, oh no. Dad's dead. Joseph is going to get some revenge. <laughs> they are so scared and so nervous about what Joseph is going to do to them because of what they did to him. And so they go to him, they fall down, they're like, please, you know, have mercy on us to summarize. And in chapter 50, verse 19, this is so key. Joseph replied, Do not be afraid. Do I act for God? Don't you see you planned evil against me? But God used those same plans for my good. As you see all around you right now, life for many people, God saved them from this famine. Not me, but God did. You see, Joseph, the presence, okay, enabled Joseph. It's key to the presence that didn't... It wasn't Joseph. It was the presence of God that Joseph cultivated in his life enabled him to see his circumstances from God's perspective and therefore not resent and seek revenge on his brothers. That is pretty profound, isn't it? How many people have ever been done wrong in life? To some large or little extent, everybody's been done wrong, right? You tell your kids, get used to it. It's part of life. <laughs> Learn to deal with it. Especially in the church, for some reason, people get offended. People say things they shouldn't. You know, this whole thing that the Bible calls backbiting and dissension and all these things, it just, you know, the devil is sneaky. And he gets these things in here. But see, here's what I'm excited about. If we cultivate the presence, there's no room for that stuff. If you and I, if we have the presence in our everyday life, you know, I'm just not going to be as likely to say something about somebody else or, you know, cause this whole big thing or, you know, church split over the color of the carpet or, you know, the classic example, why church is split, I don't know. You know, you understand what I'm saying? So let's get together as a group and say, you know, number one, the presence is most important in this church. We want the presence of God. If I, I'm going to back up here for a moment to Genesis 41. This is the last of these points. 
Genesis 41, verse 39. And I don't know if I got that to Brian. I didn't. So just read with me or I'll read it to you. This is out of the Message Bible if it sounds a little bit different than yours. Genesis 41, 39. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, You're the man for us. God has given you the inside story. No one is as qualified as you in experience and wisdom. From now on, you're in charge of my affairs. All my people will report to you. Only as king will I be over you. So Pharaoh commissioned Joseph. I'm putting you in charge of the entire country of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his finger and slipped it on Joseph's hand. He outfitted him in robes of the best linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He put the second-in-command chariot at his disposal, and, he rode a, and, and as he rode about, people shouted, Bravo! Joseph was in charge of the entire country of Egypt. Pharaoh told Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but no one in Egypt will make a single move without your stamp of approval. There's some serious favor. Then Pharaoh gave Joseph an Egyptian name. I love this. Listen to this. I can't pronounce the Egyptian name because I don't speak Egyptian, but it means God speaks and He lives. Think about that, okay? What I know from my study of the Egyptians is that they worship many gods. Ra being the primary sun god. They worship the Nile River. They worshiped all these things. They, it's just a classic story of worshiping the creation instead of the Creator. So here, this guy is so impacted by the presence that he names Joseph, God speaks and he lives. What a powerful thing. He also gave him an Egyptian wife. Um, and Joseph took up his duties over the land of Egypt. Verse 46, here it is. Joseph was 30 years old when he went to work for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. As soon as Joseph left Pharaoh's presence, he began his work in Egypt. During the next seven years of plenty, the land produced bumper crops. Joseph gathered up the food of the seven good years in Egypt and stored the food in cities. In each city, he stockpiled surplus from the surrounding fields. Joseph collected so much grain, it was like the sand of the ocean. <laughs> That's a lot of grain. That he finally quit keeping track. <laughs> the presence. Joseph didn't do it. The presence changed a pagan king and a pagan nation because why? Joseph valued it. He valued the presence. How much do you value it? How much do I value the presence of God? Joseph's three responses. Real quick. Number one, he refused to get bitter. Bitterness and resentment hinders God's presence. The New Testament says quenching the Holy Spirit. July the 3rd of this year, Byron preached a message that's on our website about bitterness. Okay, if this is an issue that's really, if you're, God's convicting you of this right now or He speaks to you this week about some bitterness or something in your life, you know, go to that message at riverlifefellowship.com Click on audio sermons, July 3rd. Just remember July 4th is the Sunday before that holiday. That's how you can remember it. Because it's such a powerful message. He refused to get better. Number two, he remained humble. He remained 
humble. Brian, can you stick back up 4116? Let's revisit this again. Joseph answered, Not I, but God. God will set Pharaoh's mind at ease. You see that? Humility is a key. Any great move of God always starts with humility. And one of the things that I'm learning is it's a one of the one of the parts of humility is saying, you know what, God, I don't know how you want to move. It might people might not fall over the floor all over the floor when God moves. They may, they may not. It may just be just like this. People's hearts are pricked in their seats where they're sitting, and thousands discover the presence. They see the pearl. Do you see what I'm talking about? They're like, I'll do anything to get the pearl. I'll sell everything. What do I need to do? Where, where do I sign up? You know, How much does it cost? It's the presence. That's what it's about. Not like some outward manifestation that we think of as the move of God. Humility. Third, Joseph hid the word of God in his heart. He was intimate with God and his ways. He understood Remember the big picture that he saw? 50, chapter 50, verse 20, says, Don't you see? You planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. As you see all around you right now, life for many people. You know what? He memorized Romans 8, 28. Isn't that something? <laughs> He memorized it, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for good, for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Of course, Romans 8, 28 is just a reminder of Joseph's message to us. Isn't that something? He valued what God valued. So, he refused to get bitter. You know, we went through why he could be bitter. Man, his brothers tried to kill him and threw him in a pit and then they sold him into slavery and then he got into slavery and he's accused of re attempted rape and then he was put in prison for years and, you know, on and on and on. But he said, no, I know what God's up to here. I'm going to stay faithful. And when I do, you just wait and see. God's going to work. So, three things that could keep us out of the presence that I see here. I'm sure there's a lot of others. Bitterness, unforgiveness, pride, and lack of intimacy. Or you might say just religion. You know, just going through the motions. Having a quiet time. Go to church on Sunday. I'm going to tell my neighbor about Jesus. All those are great things, and we need to be doing those things. But it's because of the presence that we do them. It's Him in us. And we can tell people... I've discovered, especially in teaching teenagers, that they can spot a phony. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, you don't if I don't really love history when I'm teaching it to them, they're going to be sleeping. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the same thing goes with anybody we're telling about Jesus, man. If it's not absolutely like, man, let me just tell you about this thing. This is the best thing. You know, they're going to be like, yeah, okay. What do I need to do? <laughs> so finally, how does this apply to us? Wrapping up. 12 o'clock. God's moving. <laughs> Things the presence will do for you. Here's what it'll do for you. It will provide an answer to your problems. 
It'll set your mind at ease. Put that 41.16 up there again, Brian. Remember what he said to Pharaoh? Pharaoh, this will set your mind at ease when God tells you what your, what your dream means. How many people need a mind at ease? I do, man. I, I'm telling you, I need it right now in a situation that Sarah and I are going through. Okay, so I'm not just preaching at you, man. This is me. Please, I've got to have your presence, God, please. <laughs> Number two, it will reveal the secret things and ways of God to you. And you know what's cool? You can let in other people in on it. You say, you know what? Here's what God showed me. You know, it's this. What? Wow. Or here's what, Marlon, this is what God told me about you. Marlon does this a lot with other people. He doesn't come, thus saith the Lord, brother. You know, he just comes out, he's like, man, this is what God was showing me about you. And it's like, man, wow, we can do that. But we've got to seek the presence. We've got to value the presence. Uh, an interesting thing I noted in there, too, was it said that Pharaoh had this dream twice. And I thought, you know what? Here's what's cool about God for us ADD folks. When he speaks, he repeats himself. <laughs> Isn't that great? I mean, we don't have to get it the first time because he'll say it again. You know, all we got to do is value the presence. And number three, it has the power to change your situation, your family, your neighborhood, North Carolina, our world. Put 41, 56, and 57 back up there, Brian. Think about this, folks. This teenager, just an ordinary guy. Yeah, he had a pretty well-known daddy, I guess. <laughs> now, but he was a pretty ordinary guy. He had all these things going against him. But he valued the presence. And because of that, the entire world, the Bible says, was really saved to an extent because he valued the presence. As the famine got worse all over the country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold emergency supplies to the Egyptians. The famine was very bad. Soon, the whole world was coming to buy supplies from Joseph. The famine was bad all over. You know, I've told my students at Mooresville Christian, when election time comes, everybody's praying for some man of God or woman of God for us to vote for. Here's my question. Where do they come from? Where does that man and woman of God come from? Well, they've got to come from somewhere. So why not Mooresville Christian Academy? Why don't you be the next person? Why don't you be the next president? Why don't you be the next senator? Let's not sit here and complain about everything going wrong. Let's value the presence enough that he could just might do that. The point is this, is that from right here in this room... God, not we, but God has the ability to impact the entire world. And I just so happen, I'm crazy enough to believe He actually wants to do that, if we want Him to. If we'll just listen to Him, if we'll seek Him out, if we'll value it, and we won't get into all these devices that the enemy uses, we'll stay humble and knowing it's not us, we're just some Mooresville, North Carolina people, you know, and uh, just seek it out. God can impact the entire world, but here's where it's got to start. It's got to start with your finances, with your marriage, 
with your relationship with your children, with your job, with you name it, whatever. Okay, so what I want to do right now is I want to pray that as we bow our heads, God's going to show you at least one thing, one area in your life where you're going to ask for the presence to come. Okay? And then, in addition to that, and we're going to pray and ask God for His presence just to come. I'll just be honest with you. That's what I'm doing right now with this situation I'm facing every day. I don't know the answer, Lord, but the presence, that's what I seek. That's what I'm after. And then another thing that the presence does throughout Scripture is it heals people. People get healed physically, emotionally, spiritually in the presence of God. One of those healings might be that you don't really know God. So what I'm saying this morning, you're a little bit disconnected with because you're like, okay, well, how do I find out about this presence? Well, the simple thing is the Bible says just to change your mind. Acknowledge that Jesus is who He said He was. He did what He said He'd do. Change your mind. Decide to turn away from your sins, from the things that we've all done, that you've done wrong, and just say, okay, God, I, I will sell everything right now. Not, not literally, but that you'll give up your life in order that He could take it and rule it and show you how to live it. So if that's you when people are coming up to be prayed for, for healing, I want you to come up also and just tell somebody up here and say, I, I don't know God. I need the presence of God to come into my life right now. Will you pray with me? That's all I'm asking you to do. It's a very simple thing, but it's very life-changing, the presence. What I want to do is really exhort you about this message because I didn't know Matthew was going to preach on Joseph this morning. I had a dream last night about Joseph. And uh, actually it was a dream early this morning. But uh, in the dream, the Lord spoke to me and said, and this is real significant to me that he would say this to me because, but he said, shepherd Joseph. That's what he said to me. And, uh, and I said to the Lord, but Lord, Joseph's a businessman. That's, that's what I said to the Lord, you know. And the reason it's significant to me because the Lord's really had a call in my life to, uh, when I say shepherd, to pastor pastors. And that's really been a real focus in my ministry is to try to help other people who feel like they have a call to be in what we call ministry. But I felt the Lord was saying to me that in these verses that Matthew read about Joseph feeding the world, that's really who God wants to, He wants to raise up. Uh, business people. And Joseph was an employee. You know, he wasn't a business owner. So I want to, if you feel this morning that, you know, just just applies to people who own a business. and That doesn't really, what that's, that's not really true. I mean, it does apply to those people. But Joseph was, he was an employee of, of Pharaoh in a sense. And God used him in a mighty way. And I really believe what, that the Lord really wanted to speak this message to us this morning. And he really wants to raise up people in the business world uh, and wants them to be shepherded in these things that Matthew was speaking about, about the presence of God, to be able to bring the presence of God around you. It's not just the you know pastors and people like that. You really need to know that God has a call on your life as a business person, as an employee, 
There's a calling. God, that's really what I felt the Lord was really saying. And I know most of us look at our jobs as just a way of getting money to live and hate our jobs on some level and, you know, hoping for something better, a better thing to do with your life. Uh, but I believe the Lord really is wanting to speak to us today. And I want to encourage you for that, that God has a calling, a real calling like He had on Joseph. Joseph was not a pastor. He was not a... a uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? He didn't live in the in you know in a ministry world. He he served his daddy. He served a, a man in a man's house, you know, keeping his house and keeping all his farms and stuff. Then he served uh, you know, in a prison actually. He actually became that uh, the chief the assistant to the guy who was over the prison when he was a prisoner himself. And I think we are just very deluded lots of times about what real ministry really is and the real call of God on people's lives. That God has a call on, on all of our lives right where we're at. And He's really trying to speak this Joseph call and release this Joseph call on people's lives this morning. It, it's really critical in this hour because I believe that's really where we're going to see the power of God released is through the Josephs that Matthew just spoke about this morning. Becky. Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 22, 29. Heather Kelson got this from the Lord this week. It says, Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not, he will not stand before unknown men. He'll stand before kings. Stand before kings. And uh, let me just explain this to you. Um, I, mean, I better not try to explain that to you. But I, I do believe the Lord wants to do something this morning with you. And uh, I'm not sure what you were going to do, but what were you going to do, well, Matthew? Let's just do this. Up. Let's just ask the Lord to speak to us about where we need the presence of God. Now, you might go, life. <laughs> where do I not need it? But specifically, I think the Lord really wants to meet some specific needs. So just pray with me. God, we just ask you to speak to us right now. Speak, Lord. We ask Speak. the Holy Spirit just to come and reveal these critical areas of our life, Lord, that need your presence desperately. Yes. Here's what the Lord was showing me, has been speaking to me personally about recently, is, uh, you know, from, on a personal level, as me as a pastor and what God's called me to do, and, and, and the Lord's been speaking to me about, you need to, you know, you need to get outside your your paradigm. Remember, we got that word, and so I've been really, really wrestling with that and thinking. You know, I need to think outside the box, and, uh, and even had one of certain individual pastor in this church <laughs> to come and broke boldly proclaim in my office, Byron, you've got to change how you do things. <laughs> thinking, man, <laughs> turn the table me. on me. <laughs> These guys are ganging up on me. But I was thinking, you know, you as a as an employee, you as a business person should be thinking the same way. You really should be thinking the same way. You should not be thinking you're just going to go to work and, you know, do the things you do. You need to be asking God, Lord, you want me to think outside the box. You want me to think creative on my job. 
you want to use me there to speak and do things. You know, not just spiritual things like, you know, Joseph did that, interpreted dreams, and, but he also was obviously very skilled at what he did. You know, and, you know, I know how it is when you work, you know, they give you, like, this is your job description and stuff like that. But I guarantee you, if you would begin to ask the Lord to give you stuff outside that and, and do it within, you know, within the boundaries that you're allowed to do it in, that you would start seeing that favor get released to you as an employee. And that's really what's, you know, and, and that, that's really what that anointing for Joseph really is. It's, it's like stepping outside of being just a, you know, normal employee, but seeing yourself as placed there by God. Joseph, it says that he, the Lord sent him. That says, and I think Psalm 105, the Lord sent Joseph there. And you've got to see that the Lord has sent you somewhere. So the Lord really wants you to get this. This, this message is from God. I didn't know Matthew was even going to talk about Joseph. I had no clue what he was talking about this morning. And I spent all morning looking at Joseph thinking, what does this mean, Shepherd Joseph, Lord? You know? And uh, because I know the Lord's called me to help young men, you know, come into the ministry and fulfill their calling. That was something the Lord spoke to me before I was ever a pastor myself. And, you know, but I can see... And let me just say this. This is what I can't do. I can't help, uh, ministry-wise, I've learned this. I can't help a person who doesn't want to go anywhere. You know what I'm saying? If they don't want to go anywhere, I really can't help them. If they don't have ambition from God, if they're not really going to go after it, I really can't do anything for them. I've found that out. So I've tried, you know, that's just the way it is. And so if you don't want to go anywhere... You know what I'm saying? With your life and what God's called you to do as far as your employment, being a business person, nobody can help you. Joseph had a dream. Matthew said that at first. He had this dream from God. He wanted to go somewhere. He was not going to accept the status quo. That's how you're able to help people. You can't help people who want to settle and stop, retire in place. You know, I think the business world is full of that. People who've retired in place. I mean, you know, not even to mention the church. So we talk about all these things, trying to get people to do it in the church. You know, just get out of retirement in place. Get on with what God's got for you to do. But we don't ever really think God is saying that to people in their employment. Because they're out there in the world every day. And that's really the Lord's heart. And you have a bad attitude about your job this morning. God gave you the job. He put you there. Doesn't mean He's not going to move you to something else at some point. But He placed you there. There's a calling there. There's a ministry there to bless your employer. And, you know, I know the church has used some of this teaching in a bad way, you know, just so people would make a lot of money so they could get it from them. This is not about that. This is about doing what Joseph did. It says he saved the world. He was able to speak to the leadership of the world and set their mind at ease. And I really want to ask you this morning what, Matthew was, what Matthew's message was really is the heart of God for you, Mr. Employee, and for you, Mr. Employer, and you, Mrs. Employee, you, Mrs. Employer, you, Ms., Ms., M.S., you know, Single women, single men. God's got a call on your life. 
You've got to see it. The Lord will speak in it. He wants get. He wants some of you guys who have just settled in place. He wants to boot you out of that place. He'll send people like Andy Squires coming to my office. Byron, you've got to change how you do things. He's, you know, he's gonna see, he'll send people to you like that. You better listen when they tell you that. You, you may not, you know, you may be the boss, but one of your employees may come and speak the word of the Lord to you. You need to open your hearts to that. And I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. The Lord's speaking to you. That message was from God. You know, and, and Matthew's whole premise in the message was the presence of God. You know, how stupid, how stupid it is to come to church and want the presence of God and then you go on and live the rest of your life and are not even concerned about bringing that same presence to the people around you. That's really kind of crazy. So the Lord wants to just help you. And so the picture I keep getting in my mind right now is um, Becky at the chapel service spoke about the call. Everybody's got a call this week. And that God, and she talked about how Moses took the anointing on him and placed it in the hands of Joshua. Moses had an anointing on him, and he put that anointing in Joshua's hands. Well, I've got an anointing for this, I can tell you that. I've got an anointing not wanting to sit still. And you take me and shut me into a room, and I'm going to get out of that room one way or the other. If I had to knock the walls down, I'm going to claw my way out of there. I can't sit still. And I get frustrated with people who want to sit still. In fact, you know, usually we, have a, we wind up having a disagreement when I, people start getting still on me. It's like, uh-uh. So I got an anointing for that. I got an anointing for having divine restlessness on my life and wanting to live outside of what I, everybody else wants to live in and wanting to find God in fresh ways and new ways. So I want to tell you, business person, I want to tell you, employee, you need that anointing. You need to go to work tomorrow and not be satisfied just to go through the motions. You need to have something in you that's stirring in you. The presence of God wants to be in that place. And God puts you there. The presence of God wants you to be in that school, that classroom, and He puts you in there to bring God's presence. So, you know, I can give you that. I want Cindy to share what she just told me. Well, um... I'm way out of my comfort zone here, but I really feel like the Lord wanted me to share this with you guys. Um, I worked in the operating room for 20 years. The Lord, in a nutshell, the Lord told me to quit my job and start working with kids. Um, so I became a preschool teacher for the favor of God. Had no training or nothing, but um, it's just awesome. But anyway, since we thought we were moving to Minnesota, I stepped down from teaching um, because I didn't want to leave the kids halfway through the year. And a couple of the moms from the kids in my class asked me if I could nanny just until we moved. And I'm like, sure. And God put me in those homes. One, the mom is into new age big time. Thank God she's got her kids in a Christian preschool. The other one, dad's very Catholic and mom's confused. She doesn't know what, what to do. But anyway, a couple Sundays ago, Byron talking about being used in your job. We overslept, and uh, we ended up going to another church, which had a guest speaker there, and um, 
he was talking about the J-12 and the kids, the, the tweenies between 8 and 12 who really don't know what's going on and how we really need to speak with them. But anyway, he had one tape series for the preschoolers. And my little girls are 4 and 18 months. So I bought, I felt like the Lord said, just buy those tapes. And uh, so I did. So on Tuesday, at the one where the Catholic and confused mom is, I put those tapes in, and uh, Alana, the little girl, who I've been planting seeds in her since I was her teacher, <laughs> and um, she was watching it, and basically it was like the Muppets. It was little puppet figurines, and the little girl in the movie was going on a journey to look for the book, and um, she had these two tablets that represented the Ten Commandments, and Alana was, um, she said, Miss Cindy, what, what is the book? And um, I told her it was the Bible. And she said, oh, I have a Bible. Can I show it to you? And I'm like, sure. Well, she went in her little sister, who's 18 months, pack and play, and brought up this cloth little Bible and just had like four or five cloth pages. The first page was the story of Joseph. So she wanted to know all the colors in his robe and what was that about. So, And meanwhile, the movie's still playing. So I went through, I think it was David and Daniel and Jonah getting swallowed by the fish, which she corrected me and told me it was a whale. But anyway, um, after, she was, after the movie was done, after we went through all the characters in that book, she, was, uh, she asked me, does everybody have Jesus in their heart? And I, I said, no. You know, you need to ask Jesus to, to come into your heart. And she went over and was looking at the, out the window, and she turned around and she said, um, Miss Cindy, can I ask Jesus into my heart? And I said, yes. And, uh, and she just, like she was a little bit shy, she just kind of turned away from me, and I heard her say, Jesus, will you please come into my heart? And, I mean, I was like, praise God. So then she said, can Elise, her little 18-month-old, can she ask Jesus into her heart? And um, I said, well, she needs to wait till she gets older, like you, and, and ask, her for, ask Jesus herself. And she said, well, can I do it just in case? And I said, yeah. So she comes over, lays hands on Elise's little head, and said, Jesus, will you come into my sister's heart too? And... I was so blessed, and I just wanted to share that, how, how God can use you in the smallest little things. And then Thursday, I worked Tuesday, Thursday with them, and I didn't tell her mom, <laughs> you know, when she came home what had happened. And um, then Thursday I asked Mary, I said, did Alana tell you what happened on Tuesday? And she said, what? And I said, well, she asked Jesus into her heart. And she said, oh, yeah, she did tell me that. And she said she freaked me out because... Thursday, Tuesday night, she said, Mom, I think I'm going to see Jesus. And she had 105 fever. <laughs> but she's okay. But it's just really, the Lord really showed me. <laughs> the Lord really showed me that she really understand what she did. She really understood it. And it was just so pure. And it was just so awesome. So, thank you. So there we go, like a little child. That's how we need to become. She saw the presence. And Cindy can take the presence to work with her. So if the Lord spoke to you about where you need the presence, just stand up. The Lord wants wants Joseph to be shepherd. That's what he wants. The Lord wants to put something in your life for where you're at. He wants you to be a Joseph. He wants you to be... 
He wants you to see yourself as that. So. Father, we just, right now, we just, Lord, we just reach for you, God. We just ask for your kingdom to come. Your will be done on earth, right here, right now, as it is in heaven, Lord. We ask for your presence to come into this situation that is on the the front of our mind, Lord, right now. And we know that just by this simple prayer of faith, God, as we ask, you will do it. Lord, you are faithful. God, we just pull it down from heaven right now and just believe that you work all things for good for those who are called according to your promises, Lord. We just thank you for doing that. Everybody said, Amen. And if you would like somebody else to really pray for you, and a little bit more about that, just as we dismiss, come forward.